People of the world, it's the Brothers Talk with your hosts, Rod, Scott, and Norm. And we're glad you join us each Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast to hear our take as three black, unfiltered African-American men with no strings attached, giving voice to the most feared, most misunderstood, and most rarely heard from segment of the population on topics of interest to us for education, enlightenment, and entertainment. We're excited to continue spreading the message that promotes critical thinking and thoughtful conversations, advocating for social activism, and uplifting people everywhere. We're also inviting you to join us as we continue the work of encouraging and educating everyone with the edifying task of identifying, endorsing, and inspiring new and existing black businesses and individuals for the empowerment and prosperity of our community. Send your comments, questions, and suggestions, and follow us on Facebook, on X, formerly known as Twitter, at The Brothers Talk, The Brothers Talk on Instagram, and you can email us, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. And stay tuned for details about our YouTube channel, our upcoming book, and tour dates. And now on with this week's program. Hello, and we welcome in all the Brothers Talk family around the world, wherever you're listening in, along with all of our first-time listeners. It's so good to have you with us in the ongoing battle to promote critical thinking and social justice activism. On to your weekly coronavirus awareness alert, because we care. We have again officially retreated to allow the inmates to run the asylum as the CDC is now poised to relax the COVID-19 isolation requirements to be treated the same as the flu and RSV. Never mind, it's more deadly than either of those, and there aren't any long-term risks from contracting the flu or RSV too, but the federal government is now about to follow the lead of California and Oregon. And I can't help believe but that this is all being driven by the almighty dollar. Businesses want their people at work and following the safety guidelines that protect lives and health simply run counter to that. They're blaming the idea of relaxing the guidelines on the notion that since so many people have had it and so many have been vaccinated, that there's a level of immunity, but they don't have the real facts to back that up. So once again, unless you or the people that you care about just want to get sick, we advise sticking to what we know works. Get vaccinated, get your boosters, Wear masks in crowded situations, wash your hands regularly, use plenty of disinfectants, and if you or your children do get sick, stay home until the contagious period passes. That's five days for COVID, four days for the flu, and eight days for RSV from when you first notice you have symptoms. No one should end up unnecessarily in the hospital or work from these preventable diseases. We can and we must do better. Now to my brother in the struggle for critical thinking, Scott Norm is out of the mix this week. All right, Rod, thanks. And thanks, family, for your continued support. And on that coronavirus thing, I mean, we've been talking about the coronavirus since the inception, and we've been telling people, hey, protect yourself and your family. Now, it's disheartening, and that's a word I'm going to use, that the government, like Rod just said, the government, we can't depend on them to actually show that they want to protect people. They're so concerned about being reelected. They're so concerned about money and raising money and making money that they're not even telling people the truth. The fact of the matter is people are still dying from the coronavirus. People are still being hospitalized. We knew and we talked about this at the inception that they're really not trying to find a cure. They did come up with the vaccine because it was, it, you know, it was like really devastating people in communities, countries. But we knew that we were going to get to this point. And that point is we want to treat this just like the flu and a common cold so that you can get vaccinated every year. And it, it appears that we're there or we approach, we're approaching that point. So 
All you can do right now is just look out for yourself and your family. You can't listen to what the government is telling you because they're not being honest. They're being disingenuous about the whole thing. So protect yourself and your family, and, and hopefully you all live a long, blessed life. So as we take a look at the headlines and information, as we have said, we're going to continue to bring up the issues that need to be discussed as we are now officially in the election season. The thing that you and I were talking about earlier, Scott, had to do with how is it that we are still at a place where 45 is considered a viable candidate? And one of the reasons that has happened is because they hide behind the notion that he hasn't been convicted of a crime, meaning that they are saying, in essence, that even though he has been found guilty in courts of civil nature around some of the actions that he took, including that rape charge that he has, the idea of him having committed treason and trying to overthrow the government with an attempted coup hasn't been adjudicated yet. And so the question we have to raise is how is it that going on three years later, that's the case? You have now the highest court in the land trying to still decide if he has any kind of immunity. But why would that only happen at this point once they knew he was going to try to run for re-election after he lost the last election? And so it just makes no sense that we're sitting here having this conversation, somebody from another planet could read tea leaves and see that he is the head of the snake that caused the attempted coup. You know, this thing is, is, is frustrating for me, and it's probably frustrating to most of the country. Like you said, this has been going on for, for over three years now. And we got a situation here where you go to court and you keep going to court and you got all these judges that Mitch McConnell and Republican helped him put in the off in, in, in these lifetime appointments who are basically slow walking all of his cases. So to me right now, I'm, I'm looking at what's happening in the country and it just looks like you got half of the country is either insane, a weak, weak or chicken scratch or whatever it is. But. To go to court in the Supreme Court when they were debating whether he should be left off the ballot in Colorado. And you got all these justices who are asking these questions about, well, is he actually an officer of the United States? And all of this nonsense, all these nonsense questions about, well, you know, if, if, if Colorado removes him off the ballot, then, you know, how can Colorado impact the election for to stop the will of the rest of people in the, in the rest of the country. Well, the way I look at that is let's stop the BS and let's let somebody be a damn adult in the room and say, hey, stop the nonsense. We saw what he did. We saw what those who supported him did. It what they tried to overthrow the government. You can call it insurrection. You can call it whatever you want to call it. We saw it with our own eyes. And all this splitting hairs about words and, you know, whether he was an officer of the country or, or the U.S. Let's just the 14th Amendment says if you participated in an insurrection or you aided and abetted someone who participated in an insurrection, you are not eligible to hold an office. So let's just stop somebody. I hope some adult somewhere say, hey. Let's stop with this craziness. He did it. The 14th Amendment said that he can't hold an office. 
And that's where we should be. Where is the sensibility here? What's going on? Is is this guy truly the mob boss that everybody is talking about? Because basically, that's that appears to be what's happening. You have people who are just seem to be just totally afraid, especially in one party. They've just basically just rolled over and laid over like like a psycho rock. And we're talking about a guy who was he's not a smart guy who was on a he was a, a reality TV star. And now you have people bending the knee for him to kiss the ring. I, I, I don't get it. Well, the other thing is in that Colorado court case, the precedent is already set. So it's hard to even understand why they're entertaining that particular case, because the Yale law professor who wrote an article for the New York Times basically unearthed the information that a lot of people have missed, which is that in 1860, Abraham Lincoln was not on the ballot in, I believe, 10 southern states because they knew about his position on enslavement. And so they didn't have him on the ballot. So this is not like something that has never happened before. We're talking 10 states. And yet we're having this issue come up because the courts are now trying to effectively say that no state has the ability to leave him off of their ballot. Now, it's interesting to me as well, because the Republicans in particular have always been claiming to be the party of states' rights. They believe states should have less intervention from the federal government. But this time, they want to make the federal government insist that they put this guy on the ballot. And so it just does not add up. But as I said, the precedent has already been set. He has, Lincoln, if Lincoln, who by all accounts, every single historian always lines up as the greatest president that this country has ever had, if he wasn't on the ballot, then why would anybody think that this con man, misogynist, racist should have any ability to be on anybody's ballot, especially with the convictions he's had and with so many other charges still hanging over his head? All he's trying to do, as we all knew from the start, was trying to find a way to get into government where he can try to hide himself from these other charges. But that also makes no sense. It's like, why would you allow him with 91 counts hanging over his head about him trying to steal the election, about him trying to overthrow the government, about him literally creating treason, and yet they're banding it around because it just has to boil down to what it always is. The fact that he's so willing to present himself as the champion of white America that they're literally saying like, well, hey, he is our last best hope. So let's give him another shot. You know, Rod, I think you just hit the, the nail on the head. It all comes down to racism. And racism is just such a powerful force. It's so powerful that they are willing to forgive everything that this guy, they just want to ignore every, in a court of law, he, he was found guilty. And because of the fact that he slandered her afterward, he got to pay $83 million. But yet that's okay. And, and these people, a lot of these people, the first thing they talk about is, is you know, God in the Bible and, you know, in Christianity. And, and I, I just don't see that is kind of counter to what Jesus was 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 teaching. That's kind of that's counter to what most ministers, but except for some ministers on the right, you know, they're buying into this nonsense. And the fact that people are just lining up behind him, even the judges lining up behind him, doing everything that they can to delay, 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 because it seems to me 
that they think that this guy is actually going to win the election. You know, with all of that baggage and all of the nonstop lies that he tells and he continues to tell, he just, they just allow him to get up there and lie. Every time he's in, he's in front of a microphone, he gives out wrong information. Some of it he just makes up, but a lot of it is inaccurate, and he doesn't get called on it. And, you know, people cheer him, and, and I, I'm just confused, and I wish someone could explain it to me, one of these people who are diehard supporters. But I really would like for somebody in the judicial branch to just come out and explain what these judges are doing and why they are doing it. Why are they allowing this guy to play the system the way that he's playing the system? Why is the woman, Elaine Cannon, down there in Florida, why hasn't she been removed when it's obvious that she's biased and she's biased for Trump and against the prosecution? Why hasn't she been removed yet? Why is it that Mary Garland allowed this guy to release the report on Biden about his mental capacity when we know that you're not a psychiatrist or psychologist, you are a, a prosecutor? Why was that allowed to happen? And so I want to expound a little bit on what I mean when I say the racism that is underneath it is that what we're talking about in those uncertain terms is white supremacy and white privilege. And the reason why I want to focus on that is because ultimately at every level in this country, the power brokers are white men. And to a degree, White men have never really felt like any laws should actually be applied to them. They created more and more laws to really do things that affected women, that affected minorities because they wanted to keep minorities in place. They wanted to keep women in their place. They started this whole idea of a police force in this country as slave catchers and overseers whose job it was to go out and capture escaped slaves and to keep keep them in line as well as to protect the quote-unquote settlers who were stealing land from the natives. And so none of that really applied to white men. And so white men have continued to hold on to this notion that the laws aren't supposed to be applied to them. And so I'm saying that to say that that's why on both sides, both Republican and Democrat, You've got folks who are not really pushing the issue like they should because ultimately they they want to believe that if he gets away with it, then it ultimately says that there's some hope for them to continue the mythology and the narrative that laws in this country have the double standard, which they're perfectly okay with because they never meant for those laws to apply to themselves in the first place. Yeah, right. you're exactly right there. I mean, we are where we are in this country because of policies and laws that white males actually created, voted on, enacted to benefit them. When you take a look at even, let's just take a look at Fortune 500 companies. They're predominantly by a long, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about I don't know what the percentage is, but I would I would venture to say that about 90% of Fortune 500 companies are ran by white males. Any major institutions in this country are ran by white males. All of the decisions that impact us as a country are basically made by white males. And the decisions that they make are made to benefit them. 
And what you see here, in, in my opinion, is white privilege on steroids. Because I'm still, I haven't really heard anybody press him, but they talked about it in Mary Garland. You know, why it took you 18 months to go after Trump when you saw what we saw, what the rest of the world saw on January the 6th when the attempt to overthrow the government and, and how he was influencing, motivating, directing. Basically, he was the reason, he was the catalyst behind the entire thing. We all saw it. Nobody had to tell us that. But why didn't you do anything until 18 months later when the January 6th committee decided to put you on blast, basically to force you to do it? And it looks like to me, it's white privilege and, and what you were saying, Rod. No, we're not going to do nothing with that because next time it might be me. And, and you know, so I want to have the same privileges. And that looks like what's happening here. I want to be able to have the same privileges that he has. So we're not going to hold him accountable. They don't feel like they should ever be held accountable. And when somebody try to put them in check and hold them in, uh, accountable, they start threatening people. You're threatening people. You get death threats. Your family get death threats. Your kids get death threats. You know, that, that's just kind of barbaric to me. It's like we need some adults or some people that act like adults to run this country. We know it's never going to be fair. It's never going to be equal rights for everybody. It's just never, it's not going to happen. They've demonstrated that. They've been in the majority this entire time and in control. They've demonstrated that, no, we're never going to share power. And we're trying to prevent what's happening, the browning of America. They're trying to prevent that. And so to use this guy as a tool, we're going to let you say what you want to say, you know, threaten who you want to threaten, be a, a bigot, sexist, racist, whatever. That's OK as long as we remain, remain in power. So there you have it. And if you disagree, you certainly have that right. But we dare you to prove us wrong. And what you really want to keep your eyes open to recognize what reason is there really for him not having been brought up on charges on this most serious of all the acts that he's committed that you, we need to be pushing all of our legislators and all of the executive branch to make sure that this gets uh, fairly adjudicated because, again, it's plain as day that he was, in said before, the head of the snake. So we really need to make that happen. In our Black Business Spotlight, meet Sophia Struther, a 43-year-old African-American woman from Austin, Texas, who turned a $10,000 investment into a multi-million dollar delivery business called L2E Industries. Teaming up with Amazon, Sophia now owns 32 vans, bringing in over $3 million annually. In 2018, Sophia stumbled upon an article criticizing Amazon for not collaborating with small businesses for deliveries. She was intrigued by it and discovered that for $10,000, anyone could partner with Amazon and potentially make between $74,000 to $3 million annually. Sophia's business model emphasizes customer satisfaction, safety, and quality, earning financial incentives for positive remarks. Despite challenges like a rough quarter in 2021 due to a Texas winter storm, her positive attitude and strategic changes led to a successful turnaround. Learn more about the company via its official website at l2industriesllc.com. And remember, our ongoing Black Business Spotlight theme continues to be, let's relaunch Black Wall Street nationwide. 
That's a wrap for this week's show. And remember to follow us and share your thoughts with us by sending your comments, as well as your questions and show ideas to The Brothers Talk on X, formerly Twitter, at The Brothers Talk. And catch us on Facebook, Instagram, or email us, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. As always, God willing, we'll continue to keep our focus on the issues that impact our community on the path to a better future. And until our next episode, know that we sincerely appreciate your time, your interest, and you can rest assured we'll never take it or you for granted. And finally, let's all do better today because that's all we really have.